This is the Odd Father podcast with Chris Matthews and Pete Court. Hi, this guy here is Chris. He used to be a research scientist in the field of molecular biology until, he reckons, God told him he wanted him to look after a suburban church. And this is Pete, who used to be in commercial media until he became a novelist and started teaching people how to be highly creative. One thing we have in common, we've both met God. Yep, and we love people, but we really love God and we love being his children. But we both find being God's kids can be baffling. So... That's why we got together, not to find the answers, but to try and find the right questions. Chris, last time we had a chat about what happens when we make God human, and in particular make God male. Um, We find out about God mostly in the Bible. So the second question I want to put to you, big question, is the Bible God's book? That's a very good question. And (laughs) as with most questions, Mm -hmm. I think we can answer yes. And also, no. Uh, In that manner of asking, I I would say that's a post-Gutenberg question. (laughs) Because we've really only thought of the Bible as a book Mm -hmm. since the invention of the printing press. Okay. Because really, um, up until that point, the Bible was made to be and existed as a collection of scrolls. uh, Which were put together in in various ways, not always the same way, Mm -hmm. um, to tell a particular story. And I believe that God certainly inspired the writing of that story. Mm. But unlike uh, some Christians in the modern era who uh, come to faith in Christ with a belief that somehow this this leather-bound or fake leather-bound book (laughs) with gold lining fell out of the sky Mm -hmm. as the Bible and therefore God wrote it, prepared it, printed it, and then dropped it in our laps, I think is unfortunately very common, but also quite a damaging way of thinking about the Bible. Okay, well, there's two problems with that. (laughs) Only two. Well, the first one is is infallibility. Is the Bible infallible? And I'm not sure that that's something that you're going to come to an answer necessarily, but I think it probably bounces off the other question, which is, so what the heck type of book is the Bible then? Well, a very clever book. Um, and I think, you know, to stir the pot a bit, um, many people really struggle with the idea that the Bible is a curated book. Mm. Um, it was actually written by a number of different people, but most of the people, especially in the latter half of the Bible, actually had the material available to them of the previous writers, and they actually used that to their advantage to build mm. upon, Yeah, uh, rather than this idea that various sources of knowledge came together and formed the Bible. The Bible is actually built stack upon stack, scroll upon scroll. So um, people going back reading what was written before and going, hey, this ties into. Exactly. So which is why we find like Paul writing his letters and he says, you know, the put on the full armor of God and the, ch- the breastplate of righteousness and all that, which is actually in Isaiah. Yeah. I think we find, we find that first appearing. So, yeah. he's, so he's read that. And Jesus read that. Jesus quotes, Jesus yeah. quotes the Bible even though he's in it. Yes. Very meta. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Mark Zuckerberg would be proud. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, and to, to reference him, I guess, I mean, we think that hyperlinks are a modern invention since the computer, but the Bible um, authored hyperlinks mm-hmm. well before they were even a, a, a meta term. 
So, so the question then, is the Bible God's book? Is, is, did God, obviously you said God didn't write it. It was written by people over time and God inspired them and said, hey, maybe you should write this or whatever. But there's all sorts of different types of stuff in there too. It's not a textbook. It's not a history book. What, 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 what is it? In simple terms, <laughs> it's a collection of, of scrolls, if you like, which have an overriding um, purpose. Mm-hmm. which is to lead the people who read it to the understanding that mankind needs a Messiah. Okay. So it, it points to Jesus, right. I guess, is the very simplest, right. the, the very top-level mm. layer, I guess, of the meaning. And the whole uh, process the of that through the Old Testament is saying, this is what God wants, and you're not doing it. This is what God wants. God wants you to have all this good stuff, but you've gone and done the dumb things. God wants you to have good stuff. You've done all the dumb things. And again and again yes. and again. And then, all right, this is the final answer. Here comes Jesus. Ta-da! And so that's that process of it going on and on and on, right? Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of very rough <laughs> description. Yes. That's and not a theology answer. But. Yeah. And it's also, I think, that we don't give the Old Testament enough credit when we consider you know, the New Testament was written in the time span of 70-odd years. Yeah. The Old Testament was written over thousands. Yeah. And so for a book to Mm. actually come together as well as the Old Testament does Mm. is actually not just humanly clever, but is also an indication, I think, of divine influence. Cool. Well, in the future, I want to have a chat about some of the different stuff and the different types of books that are in the the Bible Mm. and what they mean and why, because there's some really fun stuff in there. And as a creative writing lecturer, I come back to them and go, that's great. You know, they do some fun stuff. But what happens when we read this book that, as you say, thousands of years creating it, all these people oppressed and wars and death and all this sort of stuff and horrible things going on, people screwing up and falling in a hole. That's a whole bunch of history and a whole bunch of cultural stuff that we don't have. Correct. So we come to the Bible ignorant. Very. Yeah. With a whole different aspect. And can I just, let me, let me just put this in what I'm trying to say. In Isaiah 42, there's this great little bit where the prophet is talking to the people of Israel who had deserted God, run off on their own. And he says, but this is the people plundered and looted, all of them trapped in pits or hidden away in prisons. They've become plunder. With no one to rescue them, they've been made loot. With no one to say, send them back. So this is, this is God's people and they've been plundered and this is who's reading the Bible now hundreds of years later. This is about us. But we sit here, white Western colonists in Australia. That description there fits the Aboriginal people that we've kicked off their land. And every single country has somebody in that place. So you and me, we're trying to understand the Bible, but we're the bad guys in the Bible context, aren't we? Yes. Oh, Um, great. You're supposed to say yes and no. uh, No, definitely. And I think this um, this is the struggle people have. I mean, I've often heard it said that we've got to read, we've got to take off our New Testament glasses to read the Old Testament properly. Right. But I think in the society we're living in at the moment, we, don't, we have multiple sets of glasses to take off. We have yeah. to take off the glasses of the, the, colon, the coloniser, yeah. uh, take off the glasses of the oppressor, take off the glasses of the privileged. Um, all of these things which we take for granted, which uh, don't fit the Old Testament narrative at all. Mm. And so I think, and that makes people uncomfortable because... 
I don't want to generalize too much, but a lot of people, I think, read the Bible hoping the narrative will fit their life. And if you look back through history, <laughs> it's been used for every colonizer. Yes. Every, every invasion, every war, God's on our side. Yeah. It, on both, on both sides. sides. Hitler used it as much as, as the Allies during mm. World War II and mm. during Vietnam. You know, everybody mm. has used God as their excuse mm. to, to oppress. Yeah. And I think that's the mistake we make because we think that uh, in reading the, the Bible and, and God's plan of victory for the human race, mm. because we don't understand that it was written by a people in exile, a people oppressed, a people so, so reviled, so decimated, so uh, at the bottom of, of the barrel of life, as it were, that their only, their only straw to grasp at, their only hope was actually their faith in the, uh, God and his plan for mankind that we are so far removed from that way of thinking yeah. that I think it's almost only natural that we would misinterpret um, how the Bible was written uh, based on how far that is from our own experience. All right, I want to wrap up with one really quick question then that, that just completely baffles me. I remember watching uh, on TV, SBS, I think it was, a, a documentary about the Bible and why it was wrong. And basically, the, it goes back to what you were just saying, that the Bible was written for an oppressed people. And so the Bible is just a pamphlet written to people to help to keep them up while they're feeling down. It's to give them some false hope. And you can look at the Bible and go, yeah, that's kind of what it is. Isn't it? Yes and no. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, well, I guess the problem and the sticking point for people is the idea that it gives false hope. Hmm. And I, I think this is where um, the biblical narrative, and I, I, I love that you've brought up the idea that there are different types of literature and books in the Bible. Hmm. Um, it isn't actually a story that you can read from... Uh, Genesis to Revelation. Um, it's it, it's a a plethora of different <laughs> styles mm. which are actually designed not to make a one dimensional. I mean, the idea of a pamphlet, as you yeah. have, when you mention that, I think it, a one dimensional sales tool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas okay. the Bible is so rich in its. Uh, variety for a start hmm. and the intent of the different authors in it that I think it transcends this idea that it's a, a pamphlet of salvation or a pamphlet of hope or a pamphlet of faith even hmm. uh, into a, a tapestry of stories and ideas that are designed to give a real hope hmm. but it, it's not an empty hope because an empty hope, I think, is relying on God to do everything. Yeah. Whereas the Bible clearly tells us that we have a part to play. Mm. So, I, so I guess the, the picture, rather than like a pamphlet or something, and it's just a thing, it, is that when you're really, really close up to the TV screen, you can see all the individual colors and the dots, and they mean nothing. But then as you pull back, you get that full picture. And until you pull back and get that full picture, it can look like just a bunch of dots. Yes. And confusing dots. Mm. Why is there a green dot there? What is that? You know, and there are so many little bits of the Bible that are just like green dots. What? Until you step back and see the whole thing. Yes. Um, Ooh. That, and, that's, uh, and that's part of our, our modern lifestyle too. In that you, know, you look on Facebook mm. and uh, 
you don't actually see much Bible reading, but you see verses. You see dots. Plucked out of thin air. Yeah. You know, today yeah. is the day that the Lord has made. What does that mean? <laughs> um, yeah, didn't he make yesterday as well? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It, it, And you know, to, to some people it strikes their spirit, to other people mm. it doesn't. It's, it's a bit of a shotgun approach mm. because I don't think people are willing to take the time mm. to actually take that step back from the dots yeah. and try and work out the big picture, mainly because people don't always agree on the big picture. Or the dots. Or the dots. It's actually easier to argue about the dots than the big picture, I think. Which yes. is, I, can't, I think we're going to have a look at a few more dots as we go along with this. So let me, let me just leave, leave you, see if this fits you as a question then, to leave you with, am I reading the Bible through the wrong lens? Probably. <laughs> and, but, I mean, let's turn the question around again. All right. Do we need to read the Bible through more than one lens? Ooh. Because I think we do, because you cannot read the book of Psalms mm-hmm. the same way you read the Gospels. Uh-huh. You need to have yeah. a poetic lens to read the book of Psalms right. as opposed to perhaps more of a narrative yeah. lens when you read the gospel. Right. And so, yeah. you know, when, when people in the gospel quote the Psalms, for instance, mm. you need to swap lenses right. because they're talking about something that interrupts the narrative mm. to make a point that is heartfelt and poetic in nature. And I think this is what we fail to do. We, we think that we can read the Bible through one lens. Right. And if we do that, inevitably, it's going to be the wrong lens. So, what do you reckon? We'd love to hear what your questions might be and what sort of answers you came up with. So you can email us, podcast at theoddfather.net or you can jump onto the web, theoddfather.net and check all the socials there and we'll talk to you then. Thanks for your time and keep asking those questions.